Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. as Roller Martin Unfiltered by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. You can make this possible. So yesterday... Here in Rollerbuck Unfiltered, I did a uh, deconstruction of some recent comments by Marcellus Wiley on Fox Sports with regards to Colin Kaepernick and Jay-Z and Colin's girlfriend, Nessa, and Eric Reed and Kenny Stills, all surrounding protests in the NFL and all sorts of stuff along those lines. And so the reason I was, so some people said, dang, man, you went in hard, because I was greatly bothered by what Marcellus had to say when he was talking about the identity of the individuals who were involved. And in essence, that was this whole notion that, well, Jay-Z is really blacker, really blacker than Colin Kaepernick because Colin Kaepernick is biracial and raised by white parents and was in Wisconsin, moved to Central, Central uh, California, as opposed to Jay-Z growing up in the projects there in New York. So for some of y'all who missed it, here are some of the comments of Marcellus Wiley, and then I'm gonna come back with my comment. 
This is an identity issue. You know why the identity of this movement has been lost? You know why the identity has been lost in this platform of kneeling and what does it really mean? Because the identity of those who are leading it has always been in question. Let's keep it 1,000 up here because my past Ooh, is hot. My past <laughs> has expired for this. The past has expired. I've been going back and forth with this from day one at ESPN. Let's go. Kaepernick comes from a situation where he's never felt the full weight of these injustices. This is a mixed-race guy who was raised by a white family from Wisconsin to Central California. Respect. That does not disqualify you from talking for us. But when you make missteps and miscalculations, oh, it comes back into play. And he never spoke on this when Black Lives Matter's movement was at its height. Think about it. 2013, 2014, Ferguson, where, where Jay-Z is bailing prisoners out and doing protesters out and taking pictures and supporting Trayvon Martin and that family. What was Kaepernick? You know who he was? Taking his shirt off, bruh. He was, I knew Kaepernick back then. He was never talking about this. He meets Nessa 2015, all of a sudden, 2016, he gets benched. Flip-flop. Not mad. That still doesn't disqualify you. But Nessa comes into play now. And we all know Nessa. Respect to her and her ethnicity, but it's not black. Okay? So now we got two leaders who don't even feel the weight hmm. of the consequences. So guess what you are allowed to do right now? Preach. Have convenience. Ain't no cosmetics here, bro. When I'm in Compton, when I'm in South Central and Harlem, that's my, my childhood to manhood, zero to 22 years old. Those three places, I know what it feels like. When you're talking to Jay-Z, who's been through Marcy Projects in Brooklyn and all his successes, he's seen this. We both said, go, Kaepernick, go, and let the cause blindly support the man. But the character is now coming to question. And then now Eric Reed is taking it and giving him cover. Eric Reed is taking Kenny Stills, another guy. Respect, guys. Another mixed-race individual who's not felt the full weight of this. So when you want to take this movement, and I hate to play the race card against my own race. Usually you play the race card against the other races, right? But when I have to see these missteps and these issues all manifest, I get back to the identity of those who are leading it, which has always been in question, mm -hmm. And now Jay-Z has answered that question. Let somebody who really knows what this is about handle it. So here's what's interesting with that particular commentary. And so allow me to uh, have part two of deconstruction. First and foremost, uh, Marcellus responded to that commentary by saying that uh, you got it wrong. I grew up uh, in Compton. I didn't grow up in Harlem. Well, actually, if you actually heard that comment, he said from zero to 22, uh, his life was Compton, South Central and Harlem. So that's why I included Harlem in that. And so, yes, Marcellus, you grew up in Compton, but you invoked Harlem, which is why I brought up the cases that took place in New York, which you were very quiet about when you played in the NFL. But see, if you listened closely to what Marcellus said there, he was saying that this whole notion that Jay-Z can speak to these issues more so than Colin Kaepernick can because of how Jay-Z grew up. Also in the commentary, he talked about Jay-Z growing up in a public housing complex uh, there uh, in New York City and what he experienced and what he went through. Let me explain to you what that is. That's actually the code for you're blacker. See, in the 70s, what happened was if you were black and you were in school, they would say uh, you talk white or you talk too proper uh, where you come from. Then in the 80s and 90s, it was, oh, 
you you one of them suburban Negroes. You didn't grow up in the hood. Now in the 2000s, we've now evolved now the whole issue of being biracial. So now we are criticizing folks and we're establishing the sort of these levels of blackness. What has happened in this country, unfortunately for black folks who have fallen victim to white supremacy, who don't even understand what they are saying, is that we have defined blackness as actually meaning coming from broken homes, impoverished, public housing, rats and roaches, single mama, daddy not home, broke, destitute, and we had to fight our way to school every day and the way back home, and we made it through. See, that's how we literally define this idea of what it means to be black. I was in the Cincinnati Music Festival, uh, and that was a, a, a T-shirt, and it said, uh, I'm mixed with hood and some other stuff, and somebody said, hey, you want that shirt? I'm like, hell no, because I ain't mixed with hood. Do you know why? Did I grow up in the Clinton Park neighborhood in Houston? Yes. The problem is, when you say the word hood, you left off the neighbor part. And so the word hood has now meant one thing in the minds of the person who you're talking to. See, the reason I brought these books out today is because we need to understand that there is no one black experience. This book here is called African Americans on Martha's Vineyard, From Enslavement to Presidential Visit by Thomas Dresser. Now, that's actually the black experience. Is that every black person? No, but it's also the black experience. Jill Nelson, Washington Post writer, actually wrote about this called Finding Martha's Vineyard, African-Americans at home on an island. That's what this book is. This is also the black experience. I got a book right here. My man, James Prince from Houston, Rap-A-Lot Records, the art, of science and of, the art and Science of Respect. Oh, he talks about being one of the baddest thugs in Houston and talks about uh, all the illegal stuff that he was involved in. Guess what? This is James Prince's experience. He talks about Fifth Ward and Third Ward in Houston and how he was one of the baddest cats on, uh, on the streets there. Yes, this is his experience. Is it the black experience? It's not. Here's a book called This African-American Life by Hugh Price. Hugh Price. Smart brother, led, eventually became the CEO of the National Urban League, talks about his African-American life growing up in a household, family focused on education, him rising to major positions in corporate America, and then running that National Urban League. Very interesting book here called Negro Land, a memoir by Margot Jefferson. She talks about being black and bougie. She talks about being a black woman of privilege and how she was raised and how folks saw her differently than other black folks. Guess what? That, that, that's also the black experience. Let's talk about W.B. Du Bois. Oh, the seminal book on black reconstruction. If you want to understand the black experience, you might want to read this particular book here. Oh, yeah, it's about 700 pages, but trust me, y'all can get through it. But he talks about, again, the period of reconstruction after the Civil War and talks about black folks in the South, also in the North, and what reconstruction meant for African Americans. If you really want to understand, talk about this whole idea of what's the black experience, well, a lot of black people who were critical of the civil rights movement because they said, oh, that's really the middle class Negroes who are really fighting this movement. So guess what? Uh, you had the editors of the book, uh, The Eyes on the Prize, Civil Rights Reader. Of course, he, uh, Henry Hampton had an Academy Award winning, excuse me, Academy Award no nominated documentary on, uh, on the civil rights movement, The Eyes on the Prize. Even during that movement, 
spirit, the back and forth where y'all don't really care about us folks who are sharecroppers versus y'all city folk. Uh, you heard all this sort of stuff going on, even though, guess what? Jim Crow was smacking uh, city folk and sharecroppers. But well, y'all ever heard this book here called The True Story of America's First Black Dynasty, The Senator and the Socialite? by Lawrence Otis Graham. Oh yeah, it talks about one of the first black United States senators and how they had generational wealth, how they threw these exquisite parties uh, all in the North in Washington, D.C. Yeah, it was called The Senator and the Socialite. This also is the black experience. Of course, Allison Stewart had her book on first class, The Legacy of Dunbar, America's First Black Public High School, talking about the black experience. Here's this great book that I also pulled uh, from uh, In Search of Black America, Discovering African-American Dream, where this brother literally when all across the country, going to various black neighborhoods, trying to search for what exactly is black America. Then, of course, you have Isabel Wilkerson, who had her great book called The Warmth of Other Sons, won all kinds of awards, talking about the great migration of black folks from the, from the South to the North. That's also the black experience. Then, of course, uh, you have uh, this great book called Black Families in White America by Andrew Billingsley, the 20th anniversary edition of a modern classic by a preeminent Afro-American sociologist. What does it mean to be a black family in white America? Then, of course, my man Gerald Horn, University of Houston, one of the top uh, historians out there, he really explains this whole thing in the book called White Supremacy Confronted, U.S. Imperialism and Anti-Communism versus the Liberation of Southern Africa from Rhodes to Mandela. If you want to understand where a lot of this came from, right here, white supremacy. But why all of this important? Why is my last book? Easy. Dr. King's book, Where Do We Go From Here? Chaos or Community, where he literally talks about where we stand as black folks and talks about the various experiences. He talks about the issue of poverty, talks about the Negroes, of course, uh, who didn't necessarily experience the same level of poverty, but they still experienced Jim Crow. What am I getting at? We are idiotic by continuing to allow individuals to play this game of defining the black experience as being one thing. There is no one black experience in America. Here we are this week celebrating or commemorating 400 years since the first 20-odd Africans arrived in Virginia in August of 1619. And in these 400 years, there have been numerous experiences of black folks. The reality is you can grow up in a black family in a black neighborhood and go to black schools and go to black churches and belong to black organizations. And when you become an adult, don't give a damn about black people. And you can be a biracial Af a person who grew up in a white family, who lived across the country and the world. And you know what? You commit yourself to the issues that impact black people. See, who else is actually having these silly ass conversations? What other groups are having these dumbass discussions as to who really is more authentic, who's really more hood, who's really more black? That's how stupid this stuff is. I remember when I, uh, after I had pledged Alpha Phi Alpha, we were at a party and we had a brother who was from Sam Houston State walked up to me he's like, oh yeah, oh y'all think y'all some, this is exactly what he said because y'all don't, don't use the word, oh y'all think y'all some smart niggas because y'all go to Texas A&M, but see, but y'all, uh, this is how we do it at this school, I had a brother who's at Prairie View who said the same thing, and they were talking all this trash, and I said, let me ask you a question, what's your chapter graduation rate? Then they got silent, I said, oh, y'all ass can't talk? I said, see, you want to challenge me because I went to Texas A&M and pledged Alpha. And you went to Sam Houston State, not an HBCU. Another brother went to Prairie View, that is an HBCU. So you want to question my blackness and question whether I'm real. 
I said, when our chapter in our history only had one brother who did not graduate, and he's not authorized to come to any of our events. I said, so let me ask you a question. What does it mean to be an alpha? Does it matter if you go to a black school, or does it matter your ass actually graduate and do the things that an alpha man is required to do? He got real silent. I even had a sister when I went to the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, uh, and, I, and I joked with her about today because I jacked her ass up when she said it. We were standing by the photographer's table, and so uh, she was a sister, and um, somebody said, she, somebody uh, introduced me to her. She said, oh, oh, you the brother who didn't know who he was who went to a white school. I said, oh, really? I said, where did you go? She said, oh, I went to Southern. I said, oh, so what you're saying is you need to go to HBCU to figure out that your ass was black? I said, I grew up in a black neighborhood, black family, all that sort of black. I said, I knew I was black by the time I was 18. Now, when I talked about that one day, people, some folks who went to the HBCUs got real upset with me. But what they understand was what she was trying to do was denigrate me because I didn't go to an HBCU. And I said, boo, you can go to an HBCU and still be clueless about black people. Just like you can go to a PWI and be clueless about black people. The black experience in America is wide. It is diverse. It is broad. And what we have to stop doing is playing these silly games of questioning somebody's blackness. And what we should be asking very simply, are you doing the work? Are you doing the work? Now, I disagree with the people who call Jay-Z a sellout. Just like I don't allow people on my show to call black Republicans sellout or call them Uncle Toms or call them uh, Oreos, any of those names. Just like I don't let anybody come on this show and call somebody the N-word or call them a coon. Because, see, that's offensive. But what we better understand is that we have a generation of black kids who are not growing up in hoods. A generation of black kids who are growing up biracial. So what are we saying to them by saying, well, you really don't have a black experience. That's not really a black experience. Well, what is it? Then when we use the phrases, you haven't felt the full oppression, the full weight of what it means to be black. Well, actually, how many people have? I mean, Marcellus went from Compton to the Ivy League school. I'm quite sure there were some black people who said, why you didn't go to HBCU? Oh, I heard that. I had a brother who challenged me when I was a senior in high school. I can't believe, see, that's my problem. All y'all Negroes are going to the white schools. I said, really? Where are you going? I'm going to TSU, Texas Southern University, which is right across the street from my high school. And you know what I told him? I said, that's interesting. The Texas Southern University has a school of communications, and they literally are right across the street. And I was actually named the best student in my high school in my four years there and they never actually recruited me. I was across the street. I said, so I'm gonna follow the money. Cause you know why? My parents gonna have three kids in college at one time and damn it, I'm not trying to be broke. My brother went to A&M, my sister went to A&M and I went to A&M. All three have graduated, all three are doing well and guess what? We ain't got no damn student loan debt cause it's all been paid off. But the point I'm making is that's the black experience. HBCUs, the black experience. Community college, the black experience. Growing up in South Central or Watts or Compton or Harlem or Lithonia or Prince George's County, that's all the black experience. But we are the only ones who are playing this stupid game where who can be blacker than the other person as opposed to what's the work we're focused on. That's why I did the commentary. That's what offended me the most. Because guess what? 
I would rather somebody who's biracial or somebody like Nessa who ain't even black, who give a damn about our issues, than a whole bunch of black folks who will turn their back and don't care and say it's, it's all about me, myself, and I, as opposed to the issues at hand. Watch what you say around your children. Watch what you do around your children. Because if we are putting the wrong things in their heads, they're going to carry that stuff forth and repeat those things in school, repeat those things at church, repeat those things to their friends, and we have another generation of black folks who are questioning the blackness of somebody else. All right, folks, back to our Roadmark Unfiltered video in just one moment. Life Lux Jazz is the experience of a lifetime delivering top-notch music in an upscale destination. The week-long event is held at the Omnia Day Club Los Cabos, which is nestled on the Sea of Cortez in the celebrity playground of Los Cabos, Mexico. This is also a black experience. The Life Lux Jazz experience offers the ultimate getaway for discerning jazz aficionados by pairing an upscale international destination with luxury accommodations, fine hot cuisine, top-shelf libations, meaning liquor, breathtaking golf, exhilarating spa, health, and wellness options, and much more, while showcasing some of the biggest names in entertainment. The second annual Life Lux Jazz Experience continues to build upon its success and heritage with jazzing around Los Cabos, a celebratory expansion of accomplishing its goal of sharing all the finest destination has to offer, including daytime excursions and many concerts, including the Spirit of Jazz Gospel Brunch and Jazz Sunset Cruise. Confirmed guests, comedian actor Mark Curry, Gerald Albright, Alex Bunyong, Raul Madon, Incognito, Pieces of a Dream, Kirk Whalem, Average White Band, Donnie McClurkin, Chalet Roy Ayers, Tom Brown, Ronnie Laws, and Ernest Quarles. Folks, I'll be broadcasting Roland Martin Unfiltered uh, from Los Cabos those two days. Go to lifeluxjazz.com, lifeluxjazz.com for more information. We'd love to see y'all there. Now back to your Roland Martin Unfiltered video. BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeartRadio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.